You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Midtown. Welcome to our sermon series, The Holy Spirit, Presence With Us. Join us as we explore the person and work of the Holy Spirit and how His presence in our lives empowers us to live a life of faith and witness. Discover how the Holy Spirit can transform us and guide us into a deeper relationship with Him. Peace be with you. Today's scripture reading is from Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, peace be with you. All right, good to see you all this morning. Glad that you're here and uh, glad that you get to kind of experience us kicking off a new series, which is on the Holy Spirit. The title of the series is Presence With Us. And today we'll be talking about the Spirit and His story. Now, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, even as we kick off a series on it, for some of us, we could become a little nervous, uh, mainly because of one or two reasons. One, we grew up in maybe a church tradition, or uh, maybe we didn't grow up in church, but we saw other Christians uh, worshiping and living life together, and they just did some things that just seemed really weird in the name of the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> And maybe some of you, that's your background. And so you hear a whole emphasis, a whole series on the Holy Spirit, and that's what comes to mind. For others of us, we get a little nervous because we kind of feel like maybe we're at a disadvantage. We've never heard a teaching on the Holy Spirit. And uh, this, uh, the Holy Spirit just seems so distant, so far away, so faceless, so shy. And in fact, we live our lives and other than just mentioning the Holy Spirit in a song or every now and then reading about him in a verse, um, he's kind of forgotten. All right. Well, prayerfully, this series helps you, no matter where you are or what fears you have, um, to learn about the Holy Spirit. Because we as a church, we want to be a, a people who is worshiping God both in spirit and in truth. And so we're going to dive into the subject of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the Lord is going to um, meet you where you are. Uh, specifically for myself, I have two main prayers for us as a church as we go through the series. The first is that we would grow in being sensitive uh, to the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit works, how the Holy Spirit points us uh, to Jesus. I believe that the Lord is calling us to, to, to garner a greater sensitivity to the divine person of the Spirit. And second, my prayer is, is that we, as a result of studying the Holy Spirit together would experience a, a genuine corporate renewal, a genuine corporate transformation, and a renewal and, and transformation that is not motivated by, by rules or social expectations or cultural pressures, but that is coming from the inside, helping us to grow in greater awareness of our, our need for Jesus. And for the, the beauty of Jesus. And so we're going to do seven sermons on the Holy Spirit. 
All right. And this is going to be part one of a three part kind of installment on the Holy Spirit. So this is going to be the Holy Spirit presence with us. We're going to start uh, today and it's going to take us through May 28th, which is Pentecost Sunday. It's a Sunday where Christians all around the world celebrate um, Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. And then we're going to look at, in September 10th through November 19th, the Holy Spirit. And that series is going to be Power in Us. And then April 7th through May 26th of 2024. So the Sunday after Easter next year, um, up until Pentecost, we're going to study uh, Power Through Us. And if that seems like we're way far ahead, y'all, we're two years ahead. Amen, somebody. (laughs) We ain't just making it up as we go. Amen. Amen. And so that's going to be our, our series. I want to flash real quick. Take your phones out. You got 30 seconds. Now you got 27 seconds. If you want to look at the resources that help shape this series, uh, we'll try to send it out some point this week. This is what I'm drawn on. This is what, if you look at my manuscript, there's footnoted throughout. And so I always want to give uh, credit to the resources that I found especially helpful. And with that, I want to give two quick shout outs as well. Um, that's not listed on here. One is to my friend, John Stark, who is a Harbor Network pastor, um, a dearly beloved brother who pastors at um, Apostles Uptown. Um, the way that we formed and shaped this story, this series actually comes from a series that he did, uh, started about two years ago. So I'm really grateful for his resources and specifically even how we're starting a series with this sermon today. The second is um, a guy who uh, most of you guys don't know, um, his name is Jarvis Williams. He um, <laughs> has a new book coming out on the Holy Spirit called The Spirit, Ethics, and Eternal Life. And it's based off of the book of Galatians. And um, that just released, it just came out. Um, specifically, that really helped shape uh, the second part of our sermon series when we talk about the power within us. So pick that up if you have an opportunity. I'm going to say a a short prayer, and this is a prayer that has been prayed by the church for a long time. Um, So I'm going to ask you to just pray with me these words that comes from a a hymn um, uh, called Come Holy Spirit. And this is the prayer. It's simple. Come Holy Spirit, visit the minds of those who are yours. Fill with heavenly grace the hearts that you have made. Even now, Lord Jesus, allow your spirit who is present, who is omnipresent, who is indwelling his people to manifest himself through the preaching and the receiving of his word, of this word. Even now we pray, come Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter one. Start at the very beginning as we look at the Holy Spirit. We read these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the surface of the watery depths and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Today, as we're kicking the series off by looking at the story of the Holy Spirit, we're going to see that from the very first page of Scripture, We see the Spirit of God. 
And there's three simple movements that's going to help us to give us buckets, containers for uh, talking about the Holy Spirit, who he is and, and how he works. And these are three themes that's going to come up in almost every single sermon, things that, that we want you to be aware of as we start the series. And the first is this, is the person of the Holy Spirit. The second is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the third is the, the power of the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to see in today's scripture is this call for us at Sojourn Midtown to be attentive to the Holy Spirit who is active and yearning for us to experience and know his power. This is a call to be attentive to the Holy Spirit, to cultivate attentiveness to the Holy Spirit, knowing that the Holy Spirit is yearning, yearning to work powerfully through his people. So as we talk about the person of the Holy Spirit, as we look at the first pages of the scripture, we know that the Holy Spirit, if you've been walking um, with this church for any time, you, you know that we believe in the Trinity. And some may be here today who uh, don't believe in the Trinity. Maybe it's because you say the Trinity is not in the scriptures. The word is not in the scripture. But even though the word is absent, we know that the teaching of the Trinity is present. It is everywhere throughout the scriptures. Every time you turn the page of scriptures, there's some, some whispering of this triune God. And in the Old Testament, even though it seems that this doctrine is uh, concealed, we know more and more as the scriptures come uh, to fruition, especially as we get into the New Testament, it is clearly revealed. God is triune. He is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, the thing that I want to emphasize in this first point is that these three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who are all 100% fully God, who are all a part of, of, of one God, there's just one God in three persons, each person fully sharing the same nature and essence, that each person of the Trinity is fully God in every way. And that's including the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not merely a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. And like the Father and like the Son, he is fully God. Throughout the scripture, the Bible teaches that he is a person. We can see this in the way in which he is personal and the way in which he relates. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, as well as multiple places in the book of Acts, we read that the Holy Spirit speaks and he teaches. The Holy Spirit makes decisions. The Holy Spirit can be lied to. Acts chapter 5. Remember the stories of Ananias and Sapphira. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. We read this in, with Israel in Deuteronomy, in the wilderness, as well as in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 that the Holy Spirit intercedes and he prays for us. We also read in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit bears witness to believers about their adoption. Paul writes, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit Ultimately, and we'll be coming back to this point over and over in the spirit and in, in the series that the spirit bears witness to Christ. 
That is one of the primary roles that we see of the Holy Spirit, that he's bearing witness to Jesus. Jesus wrote, but when the helper spoke, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So we'll be learning throughout this series that if it is truly a move of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is at the center of it because the Spirit bears witness of Jesus. And so it's important um, as we are, and in fact, before we go on, let me say there's a, a resource, Justin Taylor with the Gospel Coalition years ago uh, wrote a short article called, How Do We Know the Holy Spirit is a, a, is, a, is a Person? I haven't read it in a long time, but I believe he gave like 20 scriptural examples of the Holy Spirit being a personal and relational. But as we consider the Holy Spirit as a, a person, um, the reason I, I say that is, is, is there's a sense in which, as a body, I believe the Lord is inviting us to enjoy the Holy Spirit, to commune in the Spirit, to be sensitive to the person of the Spirit, to pray to the Father that the Spirit would, would come, that the Spirit would manifest Himself amongst us and within us and surround us with His presence that we would have confidence in the Holy Spirit's presence and power, just as we have confidence in the Father and in the Son. Second, let's look at the presence of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit. This summer, my wife and I had the joy of going to uh, Madrid, Spain, uh, many of you know that we uh, got a grant and was able to stay there uh, for a couple of months. It was an amazing experience. Thank you all for allowing us to do that. We came back refreshed and renewed. Uh, but while we were in Madrid on sabbatical, um, getting away, we stayed in two different apartments, okay? And our second apartment that we stayed in had a, a long, uh, had a, a large st staircase, basically. It had probably seven floors, uh, but it felt like 14. And every time I would get confused at what floor we were on, because we would go up a couple flights and then it'll say floor two. I'm like, that's not floor two. That seems like that's floor four, right? Um, and you, the higher you go up, um, you know, the, the, the more you are tired and you're kind of just catching your breath. I'm like, that's more than six flights of stairs. But one of the things about that staircase that kind of freaked me out was that if you looked down, if you peered down that staircase, and especially if you came in at night, um, there was no lights on the previous floors. It was a dark staircase. And as you stepped off the staircase, light would come up. It was just utter darkness. And here's the thing. It didn't like go to a ground level where it's like, okay, you're on floor one and that's where it starts. Under one, it was just complete darkness. It looked like a pit that went for a long time. And I couldn't bring myself to go down there to see what was down there either. I'm like, I already don't know Spanish. <laughs> and some of us shouldn't just be going places and exploring by ourselves. Amen. <laughs> Care where you are. All right. And so, <laughs> sorry for those of you who are sensitive. Amen. But that was my thoughts. All right. But it seemed like it went about seven floors under. And I would just kind of freak out. And a lot of times we would actually take the stairs instead of getting on an elevator because we've got five kids. And I wasn't very confident in that elevator with the way our kids jump. All right. So we would take the stairs. 
But every time I would peer over those stairs, there was a sense of anxiety that would come up because it was just so dark. It was just overwhelming. It's like, man, what is down there? What is under there? When I look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, we read, Now the earth was formless, it was empty, it was darkness, the surface of the watery depths, the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface. I kind of have this mental image of, of Moses talking about creation and kind of um, imagining being there and imagining that in the very beginning, before God speaks and things start to happen, that there is just this, it's just water and it's just this deep, deep darkness that becomes almost overwhelming to human eyes. Now, we know that this is before the fall, so this isn't a result of sin, and it's not uh, painting a picture of sin, but these words that is used in Genesis chapter 1 are things that are going to come up throughout the book of, of the, throughout the Bible. This idea of something being formless and void, being dark, the watery depths. And in many ways, it, it points to the fact when we think about formless and void, that there is a sense in creation of, of emptiness. The darkness reminds us of a lack of definition and clarity. The watery depths gives this imagery that's going to be carried out throughout the Bible of, of chaos. When I think about the, the depth of it and the deep, you kind of get the sense of saying, man, like what's down there? What, what exists in the, the deep? What sea creatures will the deep hold? What mysteries will, will unfold? And even today, as we sit here, for many of us, these words kind of ring in our hearts because we are at a, a point in our lives where we feel formless, we feel void, there is confusion, there is a sense of emptiness. For some of us here this morning, there's a sense in which we are feeling as if nothing is working. Nothing is working. Maybe you're in a season of darkness and hopelessness because of, of loss, because of shattered dreams. Maybe you feel like you're in a, in a sense of, of hopelessness as the, the things that you desire to, to, to be manifested at this point in your life, it has not manifested or who you thought you would be or become is, is not a reality. There's waters. There's this idea of there being no borders, being no organization. Things feel chaotic. Things feel disorderly. Some of us, that's the, the feeling of our soul right now. Our soul is in a sense of, of chaos and disorder and, and darkness, and we're afraid of the deep. There's some, some stuff deep down inside that we feel like we are living, having to push down. Because if it came out, we would become a monster or someone else will see what really is underneath. And in some ways, we all experienced that this week, didn't we? We all experience some, some formlessness or some void, some, some darkness, or, or maybe you didn't allow yourself to experience it. Maybe, maybe as a protective measure, you felt void 
this when, when Monday hit and you heard of a mass shooting here in Louisville. Maybe the trauma that you've been through won't even allow you to go there because if you do go there, you don't know if you will come back. Fear, fear captivates you. But what's in the, the deep, what's in the metaphorical darkness of our own soul, it impacts the way we live. It impacts the way we show up. It impacts the way we love. It impacts the way we, we lead. And so allowing it to stay there, trying to push it down in our own strength is not the answer because it will come up. When I think about Monday's shooting, I think about the word darkness, but not just Monday's shooting. When I think about what's happening here in the city of Louisville and the violence, how there's already been more than 40 murders so far this year, 40 image bearers whose life has been snuffed out. When I think about what's happening nationally, it seems like the waters are unorganized, like, like there's no borders and there's no sight of change. 140 mass shootings this year. Gun violence is increasing, almost doubled, almost doubled in this country in the last decade. There's a, a formlessness, there's a, a void, there's a, a darkness. Some of us, we feel terrified. It feels like we are living in a wasteland. And God's simple invitation to you and to me this morning is to consider the Holy Spirit. Notice what the text says. It says that the Holy Spirit in the beginning, as these words are mentioned, he is working, he is active, he is hovering over creation. And my prayers at church is that the Lord would help us to, to look up and to, to cry out to him, to cry out, come Holy Spirit. Would you hover over my heart in a very palpable way so that I am not afraid to live? Would you allow me to experience a, a, a broken heart knowing that those who mourn are those who will be comforted? He hovers. The word hover here is actually very nurturing word. To some of my S2 uh, students that's here this morning, you hear hover, you're like, mm, I don't want that. I got some parents that's hovering a little too much right now. But this isn't an annoying hovering. This isn't a, 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 a hovering that is just overbearing. This is a, a nurturing hovering. This is a a, a loving parent who is attentive and who is sustaining, who is, who, is, who is intimate and who is creatively helping us in our time of need. In fact, this image is used in only one place uh, in the Old Testament by Moses, this word, and that is in Deuteronomy chapter 32. The same word is used just one time. And Moses, we know, wrote Genesis, and I believe that he specifically uses this word so that the, the thoughtful reader, as they're reading Genesis and Deuteronomy together, can see that this is how the Lord works. He hovers over his people. In Deuteronomy 32, we read, the Lord found them in a desert land. 
And in the howling waste of the wilderness, he encircled and cared for them and he kept them as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and flutters over the young, spreading out its wings. He bears his people up. Circling, stirring, fluttering are all the same words for hovering. And even as we process the state of our city as the people of God, may we be keenly aware of the Spirit's presence with his people, hovering, drawing near, bearing up. You don't have to be afraid of the darkness. You don't have to be afraid of the scary places. Your God is with you. He is guarding your soul. He knows your trauma. He knows your fears. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your circumstances. He is present, perfecting you, shaping you, even in the midst of chaos, to look more like Jesus. And even in your own personal life, those deep, watery, watery places, those unformed places, those places that, that, that feel like they, they, they're not organized, there's no borders, there's, there's no hope. Listen to me. If you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit, your paraclete is here to comfort you. It is organized. There are borders. You are safe. He, the Father, is fathering you, and the Spirit is near you. And the things that you've pressed down so much, afraid that if it comes up, it will overswallow you. It will not overswallow you. Because you have a God who loves you, who is keeping you, who is for you who will never leave you in the darkness, who is stirring and encircling. It doesn't matter if you feel it or not. The truth is, it's a reality. Jesus is holding on to you. The Holy Spirit is sustaining you. And when things like Monday happen and you don't have the words to say it's okay because the Holy Spirit indwelling you cries out for you, Abba. 1 Corinthians 2 and 10, the Apostle Paul writes, Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, since the Spirit searches, listen, everything. The Spirit is not ignorant of anything that is going on in this world or the realities of what is or isn't happening at Capitol Hill. The Spirit knows the depths of what is happening everywhere, and He knows the depths of your soul, and He knows the depths of God. So embrace this everlasting truth that in your darkness, in your chaos, the Holy Spirit is active. He is present. He is near. He is hovering. He is indwelling.
And if you are in Christ, there's nothing you can do to change that reality. You are safe in him. You are secure. What man might do to the body, they will never be able to do to your soul. Not only is the Holy Spirit present, but the Holy Spirit is powerful. So let's look at this third and final point, the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse three, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. There was light. There was light. God spoke. And even in the early verses of the Old Testament, we see this, the the shadow of the Trinity, God the Father orchestrating and commanding, directing. God the Son as the very word of God, speaking and going forth. The Holy Spirit perfects the work of God, creates and allows there to be light out of darkness where you once couldn't see, suddenly there is light. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings light to darkness. The Holy Spirit brings clarity to confusion, calm to chaos, peace to problems. Because of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, we do not have to live in perpetual fear. We may experience the emotion of fear, but we don't have to rest there. We don't have to live there. Our circumstances are not in control. Our God is. And he can bring light to darkness. Not only can he bring light, but he also can bring life. I marvel at Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 6. It says, but mist would come up from the earth and water all the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. When we talk about uh, this in, uh, in the Hebrew uh, scripture, the word that we have here for breath is the same word for spirit in verse six. So even though in our English translations, it don't say spirit, it, uh, spirit, it's the word breath here is spirit. In the Old Testament, we see this word that we have here for breath being interpreted depending on the circumstances as spirit, as wind, as well as breath. So quite literally, it reads, then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and he spirited the spirit of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. The Holy Spirit is not just present. The Holy Spirit is powerful. He brings light. Not only does he bring light, he brings life brings life. And if you're here today and you are in darkness and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to to look to Jesus for salvation. He can pierce through your darkness and give you life. He's already given you life. The very, we saw it earlier, the very breath that is in your body belongs to the Lord. 
He took dust, he took flesh, he breathed into it, and his dust became a living being. We went from being dust to being an image bearer, to being a royal ambassador of God. And because of that, no matter who you are, you are valuable to God. You are in his image. You matter to God. But God wants to give you full life, abundant life. We're going to look at that next week through Jesus as a result of his spirit. The way you experience that abundant life through Jesus, the way that you experience the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is by turning and trusting in Christ. Ezekiel 37, we have this beautiful picture of there being a, a valley of dry bones. And the Bible says that the, the wind, the Lord uh, caused a wind to go through that valley and what was literal dry bones became living human beings supernaturally. That's the power of the Spirit. That's the power of the Spirit. The Spirit is able to give life. My prayer as a church is that we, yes, we will be a rational, deep thinking people. But man, if we are just rational, deep thinking people who are not spirit filled people, if we are a talented group of people who are not a spirit filled people, a people who believe that we need the Holy Spirit's presence, we need him to to breathe on us, to fill us to the brim with himself, then, then all that we do will be in vain. And as we talk about the Holy Spirit and as, we, as we're living in, in Western society and being shaped by, by Western values, my, my, my hope and my prayer so desperately for the Holy Spirit, for my own heart and for the life of our churches, that we would be like Moses in Exodus 33 when God tested his heart and said, Moses, you're about to go over to the promised land, but I'm not going to go with you. And Moses said, oh, no, no, no. If your presence is not with us, Do not send us there. That what we need is not a land flowing with milk and honey. What we need is your presence. Because without your spirit, we are just dust. With your spirit, we can be active. Our prayer is that in times of of hyperactivity and times of anxiousness, that as a church we would learn to shepherd each other, to listen with each other, to allow each other to grieve, but in due season to remind each other that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound mindness. And that we would recognize that when we are triggered in our own life and, 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 and we feel this, this trauma and this, this brokenness and, and hopelessness, that we can take a deep breath, that we can do practices that, that point us to God and that we can be reminded that the spirit of timidity, the spirit of fear is not the spirit of God. That as we gather ourselves, we can experience his power, we can experience his love and live in love and that we can experience self-control. 
Oh, may we say like Micah in Micah chapter 3, verse 8, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and with might. That is what is living within me. God's power, the very Spirit of the Lord, His justice, His might is girding me up. Paul told the church in Thessalonica as well as the church in Corinth, but in 1 Thessalonians verse 1, 5, he says, listen, our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction, full conviction that God can make cold hearts warm. God can turn people who are are hopeless to people of hope. People who are bored to people who are excited. People who are apathetic to people who believe that they are anointed for such a time as this. And that the power isn't in our human resources. It's not in our ability to to put on a great show on Sunday, to sing well, to preach well. The power in itself is in the good news of Jesus Christ, that God makes dead people alive and that Jesus gives abundant life. Are you living in the resources of the Holy Spirit, recognizing his presence and his power, or are you resting on human resources? It is not the chariot that brings salvation. It's not the size of the army that brings salvation. It is the spirit of the living God. Not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord of hosts. In Luke, we see the Holy Spirit once again hovering. He's hovering like a dove. That's someone letting me know I'm time to close. They're like, Pastor, you hovering, (laughs) hovering like a dove. And this time the the Spirit is hovering over Jesus at his baptism. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit shows up like a dove. And and what this signifies is that God, once again, just as he was doing a, a, a new work in Jesus, is doing a new work, his kingdom is here. It is now in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is saying, this is the first fully filled, spirited man. This is the one who will be led by the Spirit, who will be anointed by the Spirit, who will perfectly live dependent on the Spirit. So how do we experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit? It's by looking to Jesus. It's by abiding in Jesus. It's by resting in Jesus. It's by seeing him as our our pardon when we are trusting in human resources, when we are trusting in our own might. It is by falling on our face and saying, not to us, not to us, but to your name, give glory. It's by looking to Jesus who purchased our pardon on the cross so that we can be forgiven when we are living out of the flesh and not out of the spirit, 
When we are living like the foolish Galatians, trusting in the flesh, trusting in our works rather than in grace and living by faith. We look to Jesus not only as our pardon, but as our our pattern. He showed complete dependency on the spirit. And what is the dependency on the spirit? Even though he was fully God, he communed with God the Father. Luke says that he often got away to be in prayer, though he emptied himself regularly, moving towards the marginalized and the broken. He lives from the inside out, prioritizing time with the Father, praying through the spirit. And ultimately, Jesus, as we look to him, we experience the Spirit's power and we experience the power of Jesus. In Luke chapter four, Jesus opened up a scroll in the synagogue and he began to preach to those in the synagogue. And he said, listen, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor. And he went out in that power and he pushed back darkness and he found himself not amongst the Those in society who would be considered the wisest or the wealthiest or the most impressive, but he built up a kingdom amongst the poor, the marginalized, and the broken. Because God is in the business of taking the foolishness of this world and using it to confound the wise. And that is my prayer for sojourn that we would look to Jesus, that we would slow down and recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would commune and abide in Jesus and by faith move outward towards this community, towards this city, embracing the Holy Spirit's power. Being light and being salt. That may not seem powerful, light and salt, but that's the image that is given as the church. Light is powerful, especially when you are surrounded by darkness. I praise God when I came into that building at night and every floor I hit, a light would come on. All right. People need light. People are lost. Living in perpetual anxiety. They don't know that we have, they have access to a spirit who will hover over them and who indwells in them and who can guide them to God's peace. Let's pray.